Welcome to Briarwood Football Classics. I'm Matthew Forster. I'm the head coach of Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama. This season is the 50th season of Briarwood Football, and we're publishing this podcast to remember some great games and moments from the past. Taking us through this process is current BCS Athletic Director, Coach Jay Matthews, and former coach, Coach Mike Forster, who's my father. These longtime friends and coaches are sharing memories with special guests and should be a ton of fun. So take it away, guys. Here's Mike Forster and Jay Matthews, and these are Briarwood Football Classics. Well, Mike, you know, here we are. In just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Joey Nigro. And as we've talked before, when we were thinking about doing this podcast, I mean, this is a guy that definitely caused a great change in Briarwood football history. So what do you think about when you think of Joey Nigro? Well, you know, he he just was like a, a turning point in our football program, in my opinion. Um, he helped me. Uh, that was my second year of coaching. Uh, well, really, the first year um, I had him as a, as a junior. And, um, you know, he, he was the kind of guy that made me love coaching and uh, was one of the reasons that I was like – yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing this because of the opportunity to coach men like uh, Joey. Yeah, he just showed up from Brentwood Academy. Obviously, had been through some great training there, but you know, you meet his mom and his dad, and you realize he just just had whatever that it factor is to be a leader and a warrior on the field. Uh, he's currently with a company that has, as one of its clients, the Chicago White Sox. So he was a baseball player, too. He got, he yeah. went to college playing for Oglethorpe, and now uh, he he's part of the vending process for the Chicago White Sox Stadium. So he's living in Chicago, and I'm interested to hear what, you know, what took him from Birmingham uh, to end up living in Chicago and, and having a very successful career there. Joey, so glad to have you joining us. You're one of the great names as Mike Forrester and I think back on just what you meant to us, what you brought to our football program. So we're going to go get into that at some point. But so how does a guy go from Brentwood, Tennessee, to Briarwood, and now uh, kind of running things um, with the Chicago White Sox being one of your clients there in Chicago? So give us a quick flyby. That's quite a journey. Thank you for having me. I'm super, uh, super flattered when you reached out to me about this. Uh, I love what you're doing and I uh, hope the rest of the episodes are successful. Um, so, I mean, after graduating at Briarwood, went to play baseball at Oglethorpe University in Atlanta. Uh, Four-year starter there. Played some, uh, played some right field on my days off, but, uh, you know, studied psychology there. Had plans to be a sports psychologist because I figured with my sports background, I could help players get through slumps or successes and what have you. Um, the one hiccup in that road is when the 96 Olympics came to Atlanta, Aramark, big concessionaire, needed some extra supervisors for the Olympics. And I was staying in Atlanta that summer. So I said, heck, I'm going to go there and be a concession supervisor. Kept going back and then uh, kept going back each year. Then when I graduated in 99, they gave me a full-time job. So hmm. worked my way up at uh, Turner Field once the 97 season happened. They turned uh, Olympic Stadium into Turner Field. 
03, I left uh, to become the general manager of the University of Cincinnati, where I oversaw all of their uh, athletic venues. So I had one year with Coach Huggins, which was pretty exciting since my office was actually in the basketball arena. Leave my door open every now and then just to, just to hear him. Um, but then in, in 05, I felt like I was maybe getting overlooked for some positions with Aramark, uh, just being at a smaller account and uh, the assistant GM, GM spot. Um, for the White Sox company called Delaware North, needed a number two. So I came and interviewed, and I was here in February of 06. Been here for 16 plus years now. So and growing up, I mean, growing up, my dad moved us around a lot. So I mean, me picking up and moving didn't really bother me too much. So yeah, it to, pro- to progress my career as well. And you mentioned about the number of employees and vent, the clients you managed. Uh, give us a little bit of that because I thought that was very impressive. Yeah, well, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, we have a pretty sizable facility here, right? With seats, 40,000 people. I got about 1,200 on payroll. Sellouts, I have uh, approximately uh, 800 to 850 working in the building. So, I oversee the concessions and the retail merchandise. So, people ask me what I do. I say, when you come to White Sox game, if you drink it, you eat it, or you're wearing it, it probably rolls up to me somehow. So, <laughs> Well, maybe you can hook us up with some White Sox gear, you know. Uh, sure, let me say some. So, in a general sense, what what were some of the things that you got at Briarwood, either in the classroom or on the athletic fields, that maybe served you, you know, as you kind of moved your way up and 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 finding what you're doing now for a living at Briarwood and at home. You know, it's it, it truly for me it was about discipline. It was about just you know, this is what you're supposed to do, you know, do your homework, go to class, go to practice, give it your best. Um, so that was kind of instilled into me with my mom and dad, and then just reinforced with the Briarwood, you know, coaches and teachers and, you know, just the, the fellowship in general around the student body. You know, we were very, I think we all pretty much took, you know, class and sports very seriously. And that just as then one of my, I would say, traits throughout my life that just kind of helped me progress through my career and, and through my life personally as well. So. so Mike and I were talking about this, and we have to be a little bit careful and qualify this because you know, we've been playing some good, good football before you came, uh, but then we get this transfer from Brentwood Academy, and you single-handedly brought a – physical play that we desperately needed we had talked about it and again we were playing football but when you arrived and we went in pads it sounded like football and I remember just for a few practices afterwards we would go oh wow that's that kid can he knows what the physical part of football is like and of course you looked the part as the middle linebacker and and then really paved the way for just long succession of linebacker you for a while for us. So what do you remember about that? And, uh, and then, and then uh, did you realize that's what you're doing? You, Cause it didn't take long for a bunch of guys to join you, you, you know, just a little bit of kind of showing us Then mm-hmm. we all kind of stepped it up. And then that one season, especially your senior year, we, we went from being a physical team to a very physical football team that opponents weren't very happy to play us. So 
What's your recollection of that? My recollection of just putting the pads on was just fun. I mean, that's what it was. Like, you know, not that I wanted to hurt my teammates, but I wanted them to know that I was tackling them, you know. Um, I wanted the linemen when, we, when I would go on the scrimmage side of the defense to work against the first team offense. I would want them to know if, you know, if they can maybe prepare for me, they can prepare for the visiting team as well. But yeah, I just, I just love flying around the field. You know, I didn't necessarily have the, the fastest 40 speed. I just, I, I like to think that I knew where the ball was going and I could read, uh, you know, offense pretty well and, and scoot around my short little stubby legs. But when it came to practice and when it came to games, I wanted, I just wanted to ring some bells and that's, uh, I don't know. Again, going back to just a business-like mentality of it, um, I probably took it a little too seriously, but you know, I think it did me well. So, so Joey, your senior year, nineteen ninety-four. You know, when I look back, we had not had a lot of shutouts. You know, Barwood for a long time was kind of known for offense and outscoring people, and then of course we. We talked with Forrest Walden in an earlier episode about Coach Forrester came on board, and then our style became at some point uh, we actually learned how to stop people. So, by my count, uh, you guys had three shutouts your senior year, and uh, so talk a little bit about you know did you feel that change coming with the Barwood defense, and um, you know what what teammates and, and recollections do you have about that? I loved when the four, three finally got working, you know, that's the bottom line. Like, you know, being the field general, I mean, I, I had to know where everybody else was doing, you know, people look at me, which way do I go tap them on the right cheek? You're going to go that way. You know, I just loved, I love running a scheme. Right. And I could have, you know, coach Forcer could have stunned me in the wrong direction, but I didn't care. I was going to get going through that gap and I was going to hit whatever was there, you know, um, but yeah, I, I mean, Turtle Hendricks, Matt Carver, um, got a younger kid. I want to say Sam Deaton was one of our tackles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Manning Sumner was another linebacker with us. Yeah. Learned, you know, learned how to be a little mean from Brian House a couple of years beforehand. Yeah. Uh, but just, but just, you know, just looking over there, getting the signal, relaying it, and just going. I mean, that's the thing about it is it was just fun. You know, you do the, yeah, the three shutouts. That was definitely awesome. Um, I mean, I think we held people to under 14 total points that year, which is pretty good. But, yeah, when that 4-3 got working, I mean, it was uh, it was impressive. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed like, spinning clocks. What do you remember about that? Uh, you were, you know, we've already highlighted this on the earlier episode with Forrest, but that move from that big cat defense to your four three with the spilling and everything and, and these guys come on board. So what what's your thoughts on that? Well that was really a time when defensive football changed one hundred percent, you know, because up until that point, I mean I remember even at Ole Miss, you know, playing defensive end and I couldn't let anything outside me. You know, I had to take everything on with my inside shoulder, which it changed, uh, you know, taking the things on, attacking the, taking your outside shoulder, attacking the inside shoulder, spilling to make mm-hmm. the bounce, which kind of played for you 
Mm-hmm. You know, ideally, you'd be bouncing out there making the tackle. That's Correct. Nice. Yeah, they would definitely slow them down, and then someone's coming up and catching them. Yeah, they couldn't couldn't outrun all of us to the sideline. So yeah, and, and it was real. I think I think going from that because the year before we used that split defense, and I think it was better with you in the yeah. middle. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, because I think when we were in that split, the guy to your left, you were always overrunning to get to the football because uh, he couldn't quite read it as fast as you could. But um, yeah, when you and that that, um, that middle linebacker, just that lone middle linebacker, uh, was really a change. And uh, man, I enjoyed coaching you. Uh, Thank you. I like to feel I was coachable, and I appreciate all the direction you gave me. So yeah, well. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And, you know, to see, I mean, you know, I know the tough one that year was Cordova. They kind it of was. They were, they were, after that game, I remember their center coming over and telling me that they were really preparing. For one, <laughs> I had one, if not two people clipping me or trying to cut me or what have you. So. So, so let me run through that season, Joey, just get you quick hits on that. Um, the win at Chelsea. Um, uh, home versus Chelsea, twelve nothing. Any any thoughts? That game always a big win for us. Yeah, always a big win. I mean, we knew those guys. You know, we'd see them down in the Altadena Square. We'd hang out with them when it wasn't football time. But we knew that you know when it came to it that we were going to respect each other, but also give each other you know the hardest shots we could. So that was always a fun fun little battle. And then uh, you already kind of mentioned the the Oak Grove game. You know, it was. Uh, at Oak Grove, kind of a wild Oak Grove, yeah, wild back and forth. I mean, yeah, when that, I mean, because I actually looked back and found some videos that I believe you posted, and you know, I was like, how did that quarterback not get in the end zone? <laughs> Turtle just comes up and like throws his body sideways and just keeps him right outside the goal line. So that was a big play, and then you know the broken up pass at the end. Um, you know, we had two goal line stops right there in that one. And I believe, Coach, I'm not sure, Coach Matthews, I can't remember if it was that one or if it was the West Blocking guy, but they had a big running back. And I remember you you saying, you grinning, like grinding your teeth, saying, I've never seen that guy fall backwards. <laughs> and then on one of our stunts, I mean, I, I, again, this could be the wrong game, but one of our stunts, he gets a delayed counter, and as he's coming through the line, I basically almost decleat him. And I got on the headphones and I was like, Coach Matthews, he fell backwards, you know. <laughs> so, I was going to say, I don't know, but over the years and, and even during that time, Coach Matthews, and every now and then he'd, he'd say a little, a little word here and there that would uh, rile our defense up pretty good. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. We'd get going. He'd get going. Always prepare us. <laughs> Very true. It was great. There was a point in time we didn't know if we'd ever beat West Blockton. You know, it's a uh, uh, Chris Yeager was coaching him. He's a head coach at, at at Mountain Brook now, and they just run the triple option. And, and the year before your senior year, you know, they were at home. Yeah, uh, homecoming yeah. was uh, uh, it was um, thirty four to seven. So they beat thirty four to seven, and then the next year we go there, and it's for the region championship. And we pull off the six nothing win. So yeah, that's another goal line, another, another goal line stand right there too at the end. 
Yeah. So uh, any any particular thoughts? Because at the time, that was one of the biggest wins we had had in the in the Fred Yancey era. And then, of course, the Mike Forrester defense was beginning to take hold there. But uh, just to, to shut out West Blockton at home with the reputation they had at that time was really one of the, the big wins we, we could have had. Yeah, we were aggressive. I mean, that's the bottom line. We wanted to get after you. I mean, we, we bent but didn't break so much, you know. And, I mean, I think it was just, a, you know, the line pride. I mean, we, we were – prideful when it came down to the goal line keeping people out of the end zone yeah you, and and we needed that you know because there was a lot of guys around you that hadn't hadn't really played a lot of football and hadn't played good football right and you know i think that's what you brought you're another part of it not just your ability to make plays but your leadership was absolutely incredible and uh, it, was, it was just fun to watch you and you inspired a whole generation of Mike linebackers. So when we were talking to Matthew Forrester about this podcast coming up, so he has a vivid memory of being a young boy and just watching you and just being just enthralled about the way you practice and play. But the story he tells, and I was going to see if you remember this, is we were on a practice field and they just sprayed a fertilizer or something. We're practicing. And the field is painted like this green blue fertilizer. And he said he remembers you diving for somebody and going across and green and blue being thrown up there. And you get up and it's on your hands and everything. And you just start screaming something like, that's what it's about. And, and uh, so I don't know. I don't know how wise that was. We were practicing that stuff at that time or whatever. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a fun day. I mean, just knowing that it was there, you know. <laughs> You gotta have fun, you know. You see, I mean, the business I'm in now. Of course, players don't, you know, dive across tarps when they when in a rain delay now, but they used to. And that's what it kind of brings back some of that memory too. But now their contracts are too big, and they don't want to get hurt out there sliding. But yeah. you know, it's all about having fun. So, yeah. so Mike, you know, Joey and those the linebackers. So you, you know, the four three, Mike Samwell. Um, just some of your thoughts about that that those groups that came through and even, even there with Joey that those years, uh, what's your thoughts about your linebackers that you start coaching at that point? Well, I, I think the biggest thing was that you, we were able to match athletic ability with the position and you, you know, your, your, your Mike linebacker had to be your guy that was going to make plays and your will. Um, he just needed to be, you know, just, he needed to be a, a decent linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, and so um, every year, and it, and it was, you know, to Coach Yancey's credit, he always, he always said, hey, make a choice. Who do you want? And, uh, you know, I, I look back over the years, beginning with you and then Manning Sumner and then, you know, John uh, Caleb Threadcraft. Yeah, and John Caleb Threadcraft. And Tim yeah, Carter. Yeah. yeah <laughs> kept rolling. Kept, Mark Miller at some point down there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kept rolling. And, um, you know, that kind of became a, a, I don't know, a, a high point of our um, football program was who our linebackers were. And it was like, you know, you started that thing. And uh, thank you. I'm super flattered to hear that. And after, after I left, I would, Definitely keep an eye on the team and would always want to know who is our linebacker. Yeah. 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 Keep in touch. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I enjoyed it. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. You had fun. Take a little business approach to it. Um, you know, do your homework. You know, study their film. I mean, it's a whole. It's not just show up and practice and then go play. You got to put the time in as well. So right. I enjoy. I enjoyed learning what the other teams are going to do and tells they might be showing. So. Well, Joey, of the 50 years of Broward football, your name was one of the early ones mentioned about who we'd want to do a podcast with. And again, <laughs> you made it sound like football. You made it smell like football. I mean, this we all all the coaches, Coach Anson, everybody said, "Hey, we've got us, we got us a linebacker now," and uh, you end up being, you know, get all you got all state uh, mentions for your career, and then what you've done since Briarwood just shows the the integrity, the passion, the work ethic. And so we wish you the best. When you get to Birmingham, come see us. But we do hope that when this episode comes out, uh, you'll be able to actually convince all your your buddies up there uh, in the Chicago area that you were a tough, rugged football player one day at Briarwood. Uh, thank you. Yes, this will be the proof. <laughs> all right, bud. Take care. So, Mike, when we finished talking with Joey, I kept thinking back to um, Coach Yancey used to tell the story of Larry Misaraka <laughs> from from Memphis and how he was a young guy and, and didn't want to get hit by Larry Misaraka. And yeah. Joey Nigro was our Larry Misaraka. You know, That's I right. mean, uh, if you're going to practice against him, uh, there wasn't any what we call brother-in-law or loafing right. or – taking it easy i mean he would smack you in practice yeah. and it picked the tempo up for everybody yeah, yeah just looking yeah. at um the um kind of the history of briarwood football and the different uh guys who were all state or all all metro or whatever and to see when joey it, just this string of linebackers mm -hmm. that continued uh for several years and um you know just became a part of part of uh, Briarwood football. Yeah, I mean, you know, Matthew Forrester talked about that. And the Joey influenced him. But, right. you know, when I think back to your early days of the 4-3, I'm thinking about Tim Carter and John Cutter, Threadcraft and Manning Sumner. And, of course, you were blitzing like crazy in those right. days. And when those guys came through the gap, I mean, they're coming to do some damage. <laughs> but And then later on, you know, Chris Carver, there was a certain look to what that Mike linebacker looked like. Right. And, and then Mark Miller was one of that those first real speed guys, you know, yeah. that added that. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the four three is built to let the linebackers run and hit, mm -hmm. uh, see it and hit it without having to worry about cutbacks. Right. And uh, those guys played those roles really well. Right. And it's part of what's tough right now for me watching college football today because it's not the same anymore because yeah. you know it's it's definitely a pass first still fun and fun to watch but you know you your your linebackers boy they better be uh you know used to you had that that middle linebacker that could have been a defensive lineman but he had the speed enough where he could play that linebacker well now you need a db that's you know, probably bigger than your average defensive back that you can play at linebacker, yeah. you know, just because of the passing game. And, uh, you know, it's just – it's fun watching how football changes. So, you and I for years had heard about Larry Misaraka. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when we finally met him? Yeah. <laughs> he, we, Coach Ann said, Larry Misaraka's coming to Barwood, and we'd heard these stories – 
for years. So I think I remember what it was like. But will you confirm my memory of that? All right. Uh, I guess just, this is the guy. Yeah, but he was so small. I mean, I know it all. We're like, oh, we're expecting Dick Buckus to walk into the room, you know. And uh, I don't know. Nothing against Larry because that's no. happening to all of us. But no. we finally meet Larry Misaraka, and we were all disappointed. <laughs> he was not what we expected. No, Coach Yancey had a way of kind of building those guys up. I'm sure he was scared to death of him when he was a, a young boy trying to become all Memphis one day. But yeah. anyway, I, I hope uh, Coach Yancey gets to hear this and gets a big kick out of uh, yeah. Joey Nigro being our Larry Misaraka. Larry Misaraka. All right, we got oh, some good, 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 good ones coming down the pipe. Uh, glad, glad you're able to be a part of this, and uh, we sure get, uh, love getting to talk to Joey Nigro. Oh yeah, and uh, this was Briarwood Football Classics. Yeah.